Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. It was very enthusiastic. Hello. Thanks, everyone. Uh, it's great to have you here today. We are in the third and final week of a little three-week message series entitled, Pack Your Bags. And what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, and again, if you haven't been here, you can go to our website and you can watch the previous sermons. You can also uh, download the sermons on iTunes through a podcast and also on Stitcher. So you don't have to miss anything anymore. It's amazing this little thing called technology. We've been talking about packing our bags, and the big question we've been asking is, how do we prepare for what's next? How do we prepare for what is ahead in our lives? And if there's one thing that I've discovered that is certain about life is change. Like just when you think you've got it all figured out, something changes. Your situation changes. The economy changes. Your children just keep growing up. Things just continue to change. And the question is, are we prepared for whatever's next? Do we have the appropriate things packed in our bag for the future? We've been asking this question, is there something that you and I can do now to prepare for what's next? Is there something that we can do today in preparation for what will come tomorrow? And as we move through the various seasons of life, what we'll discover is that um, the things that we have packed in our bags will greatly influence where we end up. Uh, I want to read just a, a quick uh, passage of text. There's, there's no slide for it, so you can just listen. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 12. Solomon was the king of Israel, and upon his death, one of his sons named Rehoboam is going to become the new king. And, and I'm going to come back to this in a little while, so I just wanted to share this with you. It says this in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 1, Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel, the entire nation, had come to Shechem to make him king. Uh, Rehoboam all of a sudden is thrust into this new role as king and and as we're going to see in a few moments um, the decision that he is going to make make next is completely dependent on what he has packed in his bag and and you're going to see the impact of the decision that he makes at that time but before we do uh, I want to share a little personal story of mine a number of years ago I wanted to uh, get away with my wife you know we have four young children at home and at the time, it was really crazy and hectic, and I thought, this is going to be really romantic and sweet if I book this nice hotel and I take her out of town for a night, you know? And so um, someone had mentioned this particular heritage hotel that was in another city that will not be named. Um, and so they told me about this hotel. I thought, it's great. I went to the website, looked at the pictures, read all the information, about, and I thought, this looks nice. And so I called them up, gave them my credit card, booked this Uh, evening away. And so I told my wife, she looked at the website, she was a little uh, skeptical about what she saw, but I assured her it's going to be great. So we packed our bags, we take our children, we drop them off somewhere, Um, it was a park or something, you know, it was with family. Uh, We dropped them off and we went away uh, for this this night away, this little mini retreat. And uh, I remember, because we drove to this other city and we pulled into the parking lot of this particular hotel. And we looked at it, and it looked really nice from the outside. And we kind of looked at each other and smiled, and I thought to myself, Nathan, you've done it again. <laughs> this is going to be wonderful. Um, that's where the wonderful ended, because the moment we opened the front door, it was like, Reek! and we stepped in, it was dark and musty, and it was spooky, and we stepped in, there was nobody around, and we were both 
It's kind of a little like, what, what is this? And so we started wandering around this hotel, couldn't find any help. Finally, we found a staff member huddled in this dark corner somewhere, ignoring us on the telephone. Finally gets off the phone, was grumpy with us. We're going, this is a great start. It'll get better. So they give us our room key. We go down to the room, open the door to the room. And I, I remember, I don't know if my wife remembers, I remember this certain smell. It, was, it smelled a little bit like the last guest was still in the room. <laughs> so we went in there, and just, it smelled musty, and my wife and I just kind of looked at each other, and she gave me that look like, Nathan, you've done it again. <laughs> we went out for dinner that night, and don't feel bad for us, we made the most of the situation, it was a great time away, but we talked a lot about the hotel, and it wasn't until when I got back uh, home, I flipped open my laptop, and I, and I started uh, doing the very thing I should have done before I booked this particular hotel. Anybody know what that is? Read the reviews. Yeah, I should have read the reviews ahead of time. How many of you, before you book any hotel, resort, or go to a restaurant, check the reviews? Let me see a show of hands. Okay, that's almost everybody. For those watching online, a lot of hands just went up. Okay? Everyone does this, and, and here's the reason why, is because we all know intuitively that we can learn from the experiences of others. That we can, we can learn about the, the negative or positive experiences that others have had, and it can help us to prepare before we go on our journey. Isn't that true? And we intuitively understand this truth that knowing what comes next does not ensure that you know what you need to know. Okay? Knowing you're about to have a baby does not mean you know what you need to know to raise the baby. Do you understand? Knowing that you're about to get a promotion and become a leader in your business doesn't mean you know what you need to know when you get there. And so we intuitively understand that we just knowing that what's coming next doesn't mean we're prepared for it. And the truth is simply this, that someone else has been where you are headed. Someone else has already been wherever you are headed. Maybe you're about to go off to college or university, and you're going to leave your family behind, and you're going to get your own apartment, and you're going to meet new friends, and there's this whole new world opening up to you. Someone else has already done that. In fact, in this room, many people have already done that. And you can actually learn from their experiences and, and pack your bags appropriately before, before you ever arrive. It's interesting to me how we always, we always um, look for feedback on hotels and restaurants and resorts before we go. We, we look for other people's advice and opinions before we go, and yet we never seem to want to do it when it comes to our marriage. Right? We never want to do it when it comes to our finances. We're not like, hey, you know, uh, I really suck at this financial stuff. Would you take a look and tell me if, I, if I'm doing okay? Who does that? Very few people do that. Uh, not often we say, hey, would you evaluate my character and give me some feedback? No way, Jose. All right? So it's like we, we understand that there's value in feedback from others. We understand that we can learn from others' experiences. But when it comes to the most important things in our lives, sometimes we go, no way. And we, we put a wall around it. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today because I want you to imagine that you could actually tap into the experiences of other people as you step into whatever's next in your life. As you think about where God is leading you and what you're about to enter into, that there are actually people around you that have experiences, that have wisdom to guide you into the next season of your life. And you know, when you look around this room, you think, well, these people all have it together. But every single one of us in this room has been through some stuff. Isn't that true? There are people in this room who have been through a failed marriage into a second marriage. And so if you're in that situation, there's somebody who's been there. There's somebody that can help you walk through the process. If you're going, man, I'm the only person that's ever experienced loss. Oh, no. 
There are a lot of people in this room that have experienced loss that can walk you through it. There are people in this room who've experienced great heights of success and learned some hard lessons through that success, and you can learn from their experience. And so we want to be able to do that as we move into whatever's next. So as you pack your bags for whatever's next, you'll want to make sure that you have one of these. For those of you who are younger in the crowd, this is called a telephone, (laughs) all right? Before, Before there were these, we had these. Now, this is what I remember growing up. So these things actually plugged into the wall, and they didn't move. Ours was mounted on the wall in the kitchen, and I remember sometimes you'd stand at the phone talking to a friend for like 20 minutes on the hard tile, and you're talking, and you're thinking, man, if only this cord was longer. And so you went to the dollar store, and you got a really long, stretchy cord. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? If there's like 20-foot cord across the floor, you're on the couch, and it's pulling on your ear, and you're like, just a second, and, you, and it's all tangled and knotted, right? So you're doing this. You're letting it untwist. The thing's banging around the floor. Your friend's on the other end going, oh, my gosh. This is what we used to do. Now, I understand the, the, the benefits of wireless technology. So now you can kind of walk around anywhere on your phone. Although, you know what? These phones never seem to cut out on you. They never just hung up automatically. You had to do that on purpose, which, which was way better as well. Um, so I, I remember these phones, and, and so we would, you, you know, one of, the, one of the amazing things about these phones as, a, you know, compared to the newest, latest technology is that you could actually listen into other people's conversations. So my parents had a phone in their bedroom, and when my older brother was on the phone with his girlfriend, I would sneak up, and you hold the trigger down, you gently release it, and you listen in. It's like spy stuff. It's amazing. You can't do that anymore. The new phones just don't. And then when you were mad at somebody, it was awesome. You're like, yeah, well, so what? And they would get this bang in their ear, and it was like, yes. Now, like they don't hear nothing. It just shuts off. They're like, what what just happened? They just assume you got disconnected. No, I was trying to make a point. We did not get disconnected. I hung up on you. This is a phone. And uh, some of you remember there was a TV show years ago called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? How many of you remember that? In this particular trivia show, the person would be in the hot seat, and they would have to answer trivia questions. And if they couldn't answer the question, then they had some options. They could ask the crowd, and they would all vote, and you could look at their answer and see if that helped you. The other thing you could do was something called phone a friend. And the idea was that you had someone, a friend, a relative, somebody that you knew that was really smart that you would call in case you got stumped in the game show, and they would call the friend, and you'd be able to ask them the question and to get their help uh, with it. That's the idea. This phone represents having people in your life that you and I can call, people in our lives that we can turn to when we need advice and when we need counsel. The question is, as we think about our lives and what's coming next in our lives, do we have the right people on speed dial? And secondly, are we willing to listen? Because that's just as important. You might have the right people on the other end of the phone or in your life that can give you the right advice, but if you're not willing to listen, let me tell you, it's just not going to help you. So do we have the right people on speed dial? And are we willing to listen to those people? Now this, this is especially important whenever you are moving into a season or a transition of life that is extremely emotional, right? When you meet someone, you fall in love, you lose your mind. And that is the time when you need friends and family around you going, you are nuts, like, calm down, buddy. And so you have people in your life that, that 
in through the emotions, they can help guide you with godly counsel. This is true when it comes to our kids. Parents are extremely emotional and irrational about their kid. It used to be this show called Super Nanny. And they would call in this British nanny. She didn't even have kids of her own, but she understood kids. And she would come in and she would clean up shop. It was amazing. So, you know, mom's in the kitchen and little Johnny's a tyrant. Like he's running around, coloring on the walls. And this British lady come marching in, you know, and she would say, Johnny, you, uh, what would she say? This is unacceptable, unacceptable behavior. And she would make them go sit on the naughty step. And the little kid's sitting on the step crying, getting in trouble someone's actually following through and the mom's in the kitchen crying i hate feeling seeing johnny be sad and she'd be like no you let him serve his punishment and then you hug him and she would walk through this process of cutting through the emotion to help teach the emotional parent how to parent it's a really good show you should watch it it was great <laughs> helped me a lot you know we had a naughty step in our house it was great um So when we get into these seasons of life, when we're going through changes that are extremely emotional, it's in those moments that we need good counsel more than ever. Would you not agree with that? To help us cut through all of the feelings and emotions that are present in our lives. And honestly, our willingness to open up our lives and invite others to speak into them can actually determine where we end up. That's why it's so important to pack one of these in your bag. Because if we're not open and willing to hear from others... There's no telling where we might end up. In Proverbs uh, chapter 11, we're going to see in just a second a quote from Solomon. Now Solomon was uh, the third king of Israel, David's son. He was extremely wise. In fact, the scriptures tell us he was the wisest man that ever lived. The kingdom under his leadership grew in prosperity. It grew its borders. People from all over the world were coming to Solomon to learn from him. He was that smart. And yet, throughout the book of Proverbs, he continues to talk about how important this is, how important it is to have the right voices in your life. Here's what he says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. He says, where there is no guidance, no counsel, a people, a whole nation can fall, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. So he says, if you have the right people on the phone and you're willing to listen Blessing, safety, security is your future. But if you are unwilling to get the right counsel and listen to the right voices, your future can be devastation. Really, Solomon? Do you really think it's that important to have the right people speaking into your lives? Absolutely. And to illustrate the point, I want to go back to his son, Rehoboam, who probably should have listened to his father a little more. Rehoboam, as I just said, was being proclaimed the new king upon the death of his father. And beginning in uh, chapter 12, verse 6, we'll throw this up for you to follow along. The people come to him and they say, your father worked us really hard. Would you basically cut us some slack, give us a bit of break, lower taxes? We've had a hard go for a long time. Verse 6, then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father. He goes to the experienced men who had helped lead the nation for decades. That's a good idea. All right, He goes to them, um, he stood before Solomon's father while he was yet alive saying, how do you advise me to answer this people? He asked for advice from the wise, experienced men, and they said to him, if you'll be a servant to the people today and serve them, speak good words to them. When you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. They said, this is the moment that you can earn their trust and loyalty forever. Be kind, listen to their request. Verse 8, surprise. 
But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. He went to his buddies, who had never been in leadership, and said, what do you guys think? Uh, Their advice in verse 10 is not very good. Here's what they say. And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus you shall say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. You think my dad was bad, all right? And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, lots of work, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips. I will discipline you with scorpions. What comes next? The nation of Israel is torn in half forever. He loses 10 of the 12 tribes. They run off and have their own king. And he is left with a small people who don't like him very much. Solomon's words were actually true. That that getting the right voices on the line and being willing to listen to them can determine the fate of a nation. And you may be saying, well, I'm not a king. The decisions that I have to make next won't determine, you know, the way a kingdom will, will happen or what will happen there. But they may influence where your marriage is headed. They may influence your family, your career, and your very life. So having the right voices and being willing to listen to them is critical if we're packing our bags for what is ahead. And here's the thing. You and I get to decide, just like Rehoboam, am I willing to seek guidance and counsel from the right people? And am I willing to listen? So if we all know that we can learn from others who have been where we are going, here's the question I want us to ask with the time that we have remaining today. is simply this. What keeps us from asking others? Like, what stops us from going to the right people and asking the right questions? I have three potential answers for you that I want to share with you, and you can just kind of think about them and see if any of these hit home for you. The first one is simply this. We think we already know. This might be the worst of them, because if you already think you know the answer, you won't even ask the question. If you already think you've got it figured out, you won't even be looking for the answer. And so we think we already know. And Solomon says, if you think you've got it all figured out, If you think you know, be careful. Be, be careful. He says this, Proverbs 26, verse 12. Do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. See, someone who's wise in their own eyes thinks that he or she already knows the answer. They think they've got it all figured out. And he says there is more hope for a fool because if you know you're messed up, if you know you need help with your finances... Then, then you'll actually go and ask for help and guidance, and there's hope for you. But if you think you're doing great and you're really not, there is no hope for you. He's like, there's more hope for a fool than for you. So one of the big problems is we don't even know or recognize that we don't know. There's this interesting story that I've heard told numerous times. I'm not sure how accurate it is, but it's pretty cool. One, once upon a time, it was reported that Muhammad Ali, the great heavyweight boxer, champion of the world, uh, he was taking a flight. And uh, he got on the plane, and the stewardess was doing her final checks before they took off. And as she's going down the aisle, she notices that this very large boxer uh, is not wearing his seatbelt. And she immediately remarks to him, sir, you need to put your seatbelt on. And as the story goes, he responded by saying, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And this, this stewardess was so quick, maybe she didn't even know who he was, but she said, Superman don't need no plane either. Put it on. <laughs> Because honestly, when we think we know things, <laughs> if you were Superman, you wouldn't even need a plane, you'd just fly where you need to go, right? 
It's obvious. Uh, we should all get that. <laughs> but <laughs> when we think we know, I mean, what is that? That's pride, right? It, it's pride. And, and here's the thing. Honestly, proud people will never ask for help. Just think about that. If you have a hard time asking for help, maybe, maybe there's some pride in there. I know that's the case for me. Because I know that if I ask somebody for help, if I say, hey, would you advise me? They're going to know that I don't know. Like I'm actually admitting the fact that I don't know everything and I'm not the perfect leader or the perfect husband or the perfect father. And so the moment I ask someone else, how do you do that? I I put myself out there. And so pride says, oh no, pretend you know everything. And and so sometimes we'll go and get counsel. Maybe, Maybe you've done this too. But you'll go out and ask people for their advice or opinions. And what I've noticed is that some people will just keep asking until they hear an answer they like, <laughs> right? I, I, you've all known other people to do this. And they go around and they're asking, well, what do you think? What do you think? What do you, th-? aha. And then for the next year, they'll walk around saying, so-and-so thought this was a great idea. We do this. Pride won't ask for help. Pride says, says I'm not going to reveal to anyone else that I don't actually know. And so the solution to this is literally acknowledging that you don't know. And that takes humility. And the moment that you and I are willing to acknowledge that we don't have it all figured out, then we are actually able to get help. You know, this, this uh, recently came up in my own life. Um, about a year ago, maybe nine months to a year ago, um, we're having a meeting with some of our, our staff. And we came to the conclusion as we looked, we were asking the question, as we often do, where are we going to be in two years and five years, and what's the trajectory of our ministry, and what are our needs, and how do, we, how do we pack our bags for what's next? And we came to the realization through that conversation and more conversations with our elders that at some point we're going to need a facility of our own. We're going to need to get our, our offices and our youth ministry and our Sunday services and all that stuff under one roof to, so that we can do more and reach more and uh, less effort and all these types of things. So we, we came to this conclusion that, oh my goodness, we need to do something significant. We need to pack our bags now for what's coming two years down the road. And so that conversation began numerous other conversations, which ultimately led me to the realization that I have to help lead our church through a process where we actually raise some money so we're prepared for what's next. It took me a while, but I realized that is not my strength. I don't even like talking about money. And I'm not good at this kind of stuff, like strategic long-term planning. That's not my deal. And so um, recognizing that I didn't know what I didn't know, we hired a consultant to come in and walk through the process with us as a church. And so for the past four months, I've been like working behind the scenes on creating the plan and how to communicate it and basically following his guidance and leadership through a process that I don't know how to do. Does that make sense? And so this has been my experience, and it's tough because I always figure, like, I could just stand up and just tell everybody what I think we should do, and then we would just all move in that direction. Um, apparently, that's not a great idea all the time. I'm learning. And so uh, for some of you that may have heard, back in the summer, we had a little, a little uh, group of people together to ask questions and to gauge interest levels and all that kind of stuff. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're having our first really small event where we start to kind of say, here's, here's the plan. Here's what we've been working on. We need feedback from some people adjust the plan. Three weeks after that, we, we release it to our leaders and volunteers. And then after that, three weeks after that, it goes public and everyone gets to hear and we tweak it and move it along down the way. Does that make sense? And so if you're hearing about these things, I know some people are like, oh, why aren't I invited to that? I wish I could be there. When I hear that, I go, oh, I wish everyone could be at everything, but we can't. We're following the process. And I know that when people are upset because they can't be at something, it's because they love our church and want to be part of it. They want to know. They want to get involved. So all that to say, I'm trying to follow the process, and we're working this thing through, 
and um, it's going to be great. Does that make sense? And I hate it, but I'm listening to good counsel, and hopefully it's going to benefit all of us, so <laughs> we're doing that. So what keeps us from asking others? Number one, we think we already know. It takes humility to say, I don't know. I need help. Number two, we're too afraid to be honest. We're just, we're too afraid to be honest. I mean, If I tell people about my dark side, if I tell somebody about what I'm struggling with, right, all of a sudden, they can use it against me. All of a sudden, I'm vulnerable. But the problem is, until you share your dark side with somebody, not everybody, but until you share your struggles with somebody, there is nobody out there who can give you godly counsel. There's nobody that can come along and help you through what you're going through next if they don't know what you're going through. And so there has to be this transparency and this authenticity. In fact, one of our core values as a church is authenticity. And I like to say it like this, losing the mask. Because all of us, we put a mask on when we go out the front door of our house to say, this is who I am. This is what I want people to see. But something incredible happens when you take off the mask and you allow some people that you trust to see the real you with all your warts. And when they see that and they love you in spite of it, now there are people in your life who can speak into your life when you need it most people that you trust and people that love you that can help guide you through the most difficult transitions of your life. Is this this making sense? This is why small groups are so important. And I'm not suggesting that you share all of your struggles with your entire small group, but hopefully in the context of groups, you can build some relationships that that are high in trust. It's amazing. If you've ever been part of a small group, one of the first things we do is share our stories. And what typically happens in a group, I've seen this happen numerous times, uh, each person will go around sharing some of the highlight reels from their life. And it's like the five-minute version, the highs and lows. This is all good. It's like a movie trailer. We show all the nice stuff. And then the last person to go gives you the extended director's cut, you know, unfiltered. And they just lay their heart out in front of the group. And everyone's going, can we go again? Because I didn't know we were going there. And it raises the authenticity level of the group. Something incredible happens when we reveal ourselves to others all of a sudden, now the people around us can help us. Stop making sense to anybody. So what keeps us from asking? Number one, we think we know. Number two, um, we're concerned about what people will think. And number three, uh, we don't know whom to ask. We're just, we're just not sure. We're just not sure who can give us counsel, who can guide us through. Solomon says um, that we need to surround ourselves with the right people. Proverbs 13, verse 20, he says this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I think we know this. I think we understand that the type of people we surround ourselves with will determine where we end up. They'll influence us, either good or bad. So how do we find the right people? This is kind of where I want to wrap things up. How do we find the right people, the right voices for our lives? Here's a couple uh, things that may help you if you're taking notes. What kind of person should I look for? Number one, someone who will ask you the tough questions. Someone who will, who will get past fine. You know, when people say, how are you doing? Fine. And it's those people that know you well enough and have enough relational equity with you to say, really? Is it really fine? Because I know this has happened to you and this has happened and this. And like, okay, it's not fine. There's some tears. You move forward. You need to have people in your life who will ask you the tough questions, who will actually go there. Secondly, you need to find someone who has nothing to lose by telling you the truth. This is why your employees are not the right people. <laughs> because because um, their, their income is dependent. Sometimes your kids, they'll tell you the truth. Kids will say whatever's on their mind. 
but they also fear what would happen if they upset their parents. And so sometimes they're not the best voice. You need people in your life who have nothing to lose by telling you the truth. People who care about you more than whether you like them. Those friends are really, really rare, aren't they? But we all need them in our lives. Thirdly, someone who is where you want to be in life. If you look around and you say, I want to have a marriage like those people, get around them. Get around them. You know, my wife and I have four kids. I think we're doing an okay job with them. It's, it's a work in progress for sure. We're far from perfect parents. You can ask them. If there's one thing we've done right with our children, it's asking for advice. Anytime we see a couple and we go, those people know what they're doing. Those people have produced children that we want our children to be like. Whenever we have an opportunity, we're like, what'd you do? What's the secret? Just tell us, like, what, what, what can we do to have the results that you've had? And of course, the people are always like, oh, well, you know, we just did. It's like, no, no, seriously, tell us. We need to know right now. Um, and so that's one of the things that we've done. You just get around and say, there are people that have done it right. I want to get around those people. I want to learn from them. And you can do that. If your finances are a mess, find someone who just gets it and lean into them and say, hey, would you, would you take a look at my books? Would you, would you help me make some financial decisions that will set me up for the future? And, and more often than not, those people are more than willing to share with you what they know, right? And so find people that are where you want to be in life and get around them. Here's the conclusion. Do you have the right voices in your life? Do you have the right people in speed dial? And are you willing to listen to them? Honestly, your future may depend on this. Where you end up in five years or ten years may depend on the voices that you have in your life advising you and encouraging you. So do you have the right people and voices in your life? If not, then ask yourself why not. Here's a couple of questions I want to share with you. What do you think you know? Is there an area in your life where you're like, I don't need no seatbelt? If you do, that's pride. You need to humble yourself and learn what you don't know. What don't you want to hear? Maybe there's someone in your life who will tell you exactly what you need to hear and you're avoiding them because you don't want to hear it. Where are you not being honest? You say, you know what, around those people in those situations, I got my mask on and I know it. And until I'm willing to be honest, there's nobody who's going to be able to advise me, encourage me, and help me along. And who can you ask this week to support you? My hope as a pastor is that your anchor, as we said last week, would be Jesus Christ, that you would be latched on to him that he would be your security, but I also hope that within this community of people, you would find some people. You would find some people that can encourage you, advise you, counsel you, and help you to take the next steps and to prepare for what is ahead. I hope that within this community, you would find someone or a few people that would ask you the hard questions, that would be totally honest with you, and people that would be where you want to be so you can learn from them. But here's the thing, you have to ask. This doesn't happen. Having the right people and the right voices in your life does not just happen. You have to go and get it. You have to be willing to ask. You have to be willing to pursue those voices in your life. Proverbs 15, verse 22. This is where I'll end. Solomon says this. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. There is more at stake than you or I could ever imagine. Your family, your future, your business, your marriage, and your faith. Would you ask? Jesus said this, you have not because you ask not. If you're not willing to ask people to speak into your life, honestly and truthfully, if you're not willing to listen to godly counsel of people who've been there, you're going to find yourself going down some hard roads you never needed to go down. Can we pray together?
Father, thank you for the wisdom of Solomon and the truth, God, that there are people who have been where we are currently headed. I pray, Lord, that we as a people, as a church, would be humble enough to ask for help, humble enough to, to recognize that we don't have it all figured out. And Lord, while we want to entirely trust and depend upon you, we also recognize that you have placed people in our church, in our lives, and in our family who have a voice to speak into us. Help us to have the humility to listen and to act as you speak through your body. Lord, today as we leave this place, I pray that each of us will be willing to take the steps we need to take to move in the direction that you would have us move as we look to the future and prepare for what's next. Thank you that you love us and you're with us through it all and you've surrounded us with the people that will help us to get where you're taking us. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.